Welcome to Cannabis Science Today. This is the podcast where we explore cannabis as a plant and how it can be used as medicine. My name is Emily Feda, and I will be your guide as we converse with scientists, physicians, and clinicians about cannabis and other psychedelics. We are back for season three, and the show is continuing to evolve. I really believe in taking a holistic approach to understanding cannabis and psychedelic medicine, and all of the elements matter. Everything from the soil and the pesticides used to cultivate plants, to how these medicines affect our body chemistry, to the set and setting in which we use and integrate this medicine and these experiences. I've been listening to your feedback, and in this upcoming season, we're still going to be digging into the chemistry and biology of these plants, but we're also going to be spending more time exploring the psychological realm so we can better understand how these medicines affect our brain and our behavior. So stay tuned. I really hope this season pushes the edges of how we understand cannabis and psychedelic medicine. As always, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Instagram, cannabis underscore science underscore today. Um, Also, I'd love to hear from you via a five-star review on iTunes if you're enjoying the show. And finally, if you have any guest suggestions or you just want to say hi, you can email me, cannabisciencetoday at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm so excited to share this upcoming season with you. Today, we are featuring Jordana Wright, who is a photographer and the author of Cannabis for Creatives. In this episode, Jordana reveals her findings after conducting more than 30 interviews with artists, including photographers, writers, visual artists, and musicians, about how they use cannabis in their work. We discuss the limitations of studying creativity in a traditional laboratory setting and why Jordana decided to take this anthropological approach to better understand the connection between cannabis and creativity. She shares what she learned from asking artists about how they use cannabis, everything from what strains worked best for them to what rituals and practices support them using the plant intentionally, and how they check in and make sure they're using cannabis to stay inspired in their work and not use it as an escape. So this episode is a little different than usual, but it's such a great way to look at the connection between creativity and and cannabis, which I think is something that we're all familiar with, um, but to just go into it in a little bit more depth. Well, first, Jordana, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Cannabis Science Today. And I'm really excited to dig into your book and talk about all things cannabis and creativity. But before we go there, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about your own process with cannabis and creativity and your inspiration for for writing this book. Sure. Um, So I, like many people, started experimenting with cannabis in high school And that was actually kind of the same period of time where I was discovering myself creatively, um, taking my first photography classes, doing theater, you know, exploring like crafting at home and that kind of stuff. And so those two sides of myself really developed in tandem. And I always felt a connection between the creative pursuits and, um, you know, being able to to utilize cannabis in this like productive way. So that's kind of continued through adulthood. And I work now as a writer and a photographer. And while 
pot isn't part of my every single creative experience. It is definitely kind of a through line for what I do and how I'm able to achieve it. So it's been a really positive contribution to my, to my creative existence. And in the book, you feature a lot of great research and interviews with neuroscientists, and you go into detail about the different brain networks and how they're involved in creativity. And I loved the example you used in there about when you're taking a photo, all of the different things that are happening in your brain, you know, as you go through, as you go through kind of the motions of, you know, choosing the image and capturing the image. So I'm wondering if you could talk us through these different brain networks, but by using your own creative example. Sure. Um, So, you know, something I really wanted to explore in depth in the book is not just how cannabis is affecting the brain, but how science is studying creativity. And for the most part, scientists explore creativity in terms of convergent and divergent thinking. So, you know, convergent meaning like multiple um, influences that lead you to an to an answer or to a concept and divergent thinking, asking a question and being able to brainstorm all of these potential different answers. So these are the different things that, you know, science has said for years are involved in creativity. And obviously there's a little bit more nuance to it. Not everything can be categorized in this like scientifically examinable kind of way. Um, But they've really been working on creating kind of these testing parameters so that they can hone in on what exactly is happening in our brains when we're being creative. Um, That to some extent has been studied with cannabis. A lot of the studies that are out there are actually a little frustrating to me. And I talk about this in the book about how, um, you know, they're, they're using these divergent and convergent thinking tests and giving them to people that have, used a volcano vaporizer or something. And it's not quite as measurable or as like direct a response as you might hope. It's not as nuanced. So that's part of why I really went into these like anecdotal examinations of creativity. Um, As far as the different brain networks and what's happening, you know, we have our, our default mode network, which is anything that involves inward thinking. So, you know, when you are reflecting on a goal, being introspective about a project you're working on, or trying to imagine something from someone else's perspective. And these are things we all do quite a lot when we're being creative. When I'm using a camera, I'm looking at the scene and I'm thinking, how do I, um, how do I demonstrate what I'm seeing in a way that's going to connect to someone else? So that is the default mode network. And that really comes into play. Then you have the executive attention network, which is also known as the executive functioning network. And that's really handling anything that you are addressing with a greater depth of focus. So, you know, you're brainstorming and then you hone in on one particular idea and you explore it and you go down the rabbit hole and you draw out all of these conclusions. And you know what I mean? There's like a a greater depth of understanding and exploration. And that's where the executive attention network is coming in. And then you have the salience network, and that is basically the switching station that's taking you back and forth between the broad strokes and the narrow focus. And so when we are being creative, it's not like we start with one of these networks and then switch into the other. We're doing this constant back and forth 
where it's like, okay, I'm looking at the broad strokes, but then I have an idea that I want to explore further. So I hone in and use the um, executive attention network to go even farther into it. But then that draws me back to something greater again. So my salience network switches me back into the default mode network. And it's like this constant back and forth um, that we don't even realize is happening because it's happening so constantly and so quickly. So creativity feels like it's this very fluid, organic thing, but our brains are really working at a high rate of speed to achieve all of these different things. And of course, cannabis is going to affect how each of those networks processes information and relates to each other. So there's a whole lot that goes into it. And when we're really able to drop into that flow state of creativity, is that is that kind of what you're talking about when we're just switching back and forth between all of these different networks and we're not even aware of what's happening? It's exactly. happening so subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's super subconscious and it's hopefully pretty seamless and feels very fluid and natural because the easiest way to get pulled out of a creative state is to start overanalyzing it, right? The second you think oh, this is what I'm doing with my paintbrush and is this stroke going to be smooth enough or is it going to be, you know, kind of jerky and unattractive? You're out of that flow state now because you're second guessing yourself. And that, interestingly enough, is one of the things that cannabis really helps with is removing that inner critic so that you can focus on the flow state and just let it happen rather than analyzing every single aspect of what you're doing. Yes, yes. And I, I'm curious too, were you able to relate that back to any of the neuroscience research? I know you talked a little bit about um, the endogenous cannabinoid that we all have, anandamide, and how, you know, when we're, when we're using weed that sometimes these levels can be increased. And that's really known for decreasing levels of anxiety or fear. So do you think that's kind of partially what's what's responsible for quieting that inner critic or that inner voice who says, this isn't good. No one's going to read this. No one cares. I do think that's a big part of it. Um, One of the things that was really interesting about the, the interviews I did with neuroscientists was it's not as straightforward and one size fits all as the marketing for the cannabis industry would have you believe, or has, as we've all kind of socially come to believe, like, all right, there's this concept that cannabis might make you more creative. Well, that's not necessarily going to be the case for everyone. Um, The same way it's not necessarily going to make everyone sleep better at night or make everyone feel a little more relaxed or things like that. So there is this tremendous body chemistry piece to it where the cannabinoids are interacting with, you know, your hormone levels and what you ate that day and also the the set and setting, right? So like how you're experiencing your high, are you overthinking it? Are you relaxed? Are you tense? Are you someone who has anxiety? Are you someone who's never felt anxiety in your life? And each of these things are not only affecting the type of high you have, but they're also affecting how how well you can channel that creativity while you're high. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And there were a couple of really good quotes um, in the interviews where people talked about their process. And and one um, that I wrote down was from, uh, I think he was a creative consultant named Fed. And he said, I would love for pot to be the switch where you turn on creativity, but sometimes it's a switch where you turn on couch potato 
and nothing really mm-hmm. happens. So I thought that was so interesting because, it, you know, of course, the, the marketing of the cannabis industry or, or having these conversations that lack nuance, sometimes you could just be like, oh, I'll just use cannabis and be creative. But, but it is more complex than that. Um, and, and I wonder, too, through these interviews, I guess something that came up for me, too, what was sometimes it's also um, moving away because the creative process too, is a lot about gathering inspiration and, and whether that's through having conversations or, or just exploring or, um, you know, re- like do just reading things for fun. I think sometimes maybe it's that, um, cannabis allows us to, to kind of step away from that capitalistic output, um, mentality and kind of more into this, Ooh, well, well how can I play and how can I explore, which is really the foundation for, for a lot of really great, um, you know, creative work. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's this myth that if you are good at something creative, you should turn it into some kind of a side hustle. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot more of this happening in the gig economy right now. So, you know, I started out enjoying photography for the artistic aspects of it and for how it made me feel to have a camera in my hands and to be able to express myself with it. But then it turned into my career. And over the years, I've discovered that I love taking pictures and I do not love running a business. And those things aren't necessarily the same. So something that's great about cannabis that actually Fed also pointed out was that Sometimes it's nice to have a sense of pointless creativity where you just want to experience the act of creation without feeling like you need to arrive at this end goal that is going to be for anyone other than yourself. And that's something that even in the past couple of weeks, I've been letting myself lean into a little bit more. I'm learning to paint and I'm teaching myself to paint and I am not great at it, but it is so much fun. You know, you smoke a bowl you get the paints out and you experiment because it's not going to be for sale and it's not going to go on the walls necessarily or be something you share with someone, but it's a really fun experience that kind of gives you this mental reset. And I think that's one of the values of discovering the link between cannabis and creativity. Yes, I love that. I love that. And I'm in my own practices as well. I'm finding... Um, and in my conversations with friends too, it, it's so interesting how just how wired we are, but by, by capitalism to to mm-hmm. think that we need we need to create for sale or we need to create for a purpose or, or where is this going? What is this happening? And I I really do think cannabis or, or any sort of psychedelic as well is part of the usefulness is we remember why we remember why we're human. We remember why we're here to create, and we're able to kind of turn off that external conditioning. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I was was a kid, and this is something that we all experience one way or another, I had this boundless sense of creativity where I'm making puppets out of spoons with googly eyes glued to them. And the act of creating them and playing with them was so rewarding. But then the older you get, you feel like you need to be creating some sort of a product for other people's amusement more so than your own. And I think that is definitely a capitalistic society issue. And what I love about, you know, this kind of new examination of cannabis and and the loss of the stigma gradually, but still the loss of the stigma is that it's letting us get back to our creative roots, our mental openness, our willingness to experiment with things and not necessarily just stick to this 
everything has to be about the money you can earn from it sort of um, situation. Yes, yes, absolutely. And what was really interesting to me about the book um, was how intentional and conscious so many of the people were about their cannabis process. And um, one of the musicians you interviewed, for example, said that he records everything sober um, and then and then plays it and then and then smokes and then gets high and then um, uses that opportunity to play everything back and get a fresh perspective. So I really thought it was interesting that that people are not it's not necessarily people are waking and baking and in this constant um, you, you, you know, constantly high it, it, to live a creative life. It's very intentional and very conscious. And I think that's something that we don't talk about with, with cannabis use enough. There's so many ways that we can use this plant. We can use it to zone out and escape, or we can use it in this really intentional and pers- personal and, and conscious ways. So, so I'm wondering, as you were interviewing people, were you noticing trends on some of the, some of the common habits um, or even I could, I want to ask too, what, what allows us to use cannabis, you know, consciously and intentionally and what are some of the, the ways that we can approach it, um, to really ensure, well, we can't ensure creativity, but to best set ourselves up for, you know, um, getting into that creative flow state. Absolutely. Um, So in terms of trends that I found, I was amazed by how many people are in one way or another self-medicating ADD and ADHD tendencies with cannabis, because it's very, very difficult to be a creative in any field and have your mind going off in these constant directions where you're not necessarily able to be productive because it's like you're so distracted all the time by all of these things that are stimulating you. And cannabis for several people that I spoke to um, really allows them to focus and work on the task at hand and find value in it and enjoy it rather than getting constantly distracted or overwhelmed by something that they have to do later or, you know, thinking three steps ahead when they really just need to focus on, on the step they're on right now. So that was one of the major trends. Um, we already talked about the silencing of the inner critic. That is a huge thing for, for artists you know, it's, it's difficult to put yourself out there. And I would say most everyone I spoke to has some level of vulnerability about the art that they create. And, you know, even if you have that confidence and that little bit of ego that what you do is good, you're still going to second guess it um, from time to time. And cannabis allows people to get out of their own way, essentially, and stop saying, is this the right thing? Is this the right decision? Should I play this note next? What should I do? And it just becomes more organic. It's like it takes the thought out of it and transitions you into feeling rather than analyzing. So that was another major trend. Um, as far as you know, actionable methods of finding creativity through cannabis, I advocate strongly for taking things slow. Um, It's really hard to feel creative if you 
do a couple of dab hits to the face and you've been sober beforehand, like no matter how experienced you are with smoking, I can't just go from completely sober to, you know, 20 milligrams of edibles and still feel functional as an artist. It just doesn't happen for me. So I think the gradual approach is, is the trend generally, you know, smoke a little bit, see how you feel. If it's not quite enough, smoke a little more or do the same thing with edibles. Um, and I am somebody who in my photography and my travels and my writing, I like to check in with myself a lot. And I actually keep a lot of journals as I travel or explore things creatively. And I think that that is a really valuable tool for cannabis experiences as well. So if you don't totally know how you're going to respond to some new strain or some new method of imbibing, and you're keeping notes as you go and you say, oh, well, I smoked Blue Dream and I took two hits and in about half an hour, I felt awesome and I was on a creative roll. It's good to have that information somewhere so that you can return to it later. And as we all know, you don't necessarily have the best short-term memory when you've been smoking. So these little notes that we can keep for ourselves kind of help create this more scientific approach to utilizing cannabis rather than like every single time it's different. I just get as high as I possibly can and then pull out my crayons. Like it's not going to always work that way. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. And I did notice that it seemed like most people you interviewed in the book were smoking. Um, and I'm wondering if there were other types of consumption methods that people noted, but, but it did seem like there was this trend almost in, in having a ritual around mm -hmm. cannabis, whether it's like picking out the bud and smelling it or rolling the joint. Uh, and it, it did, um, I, I did kind of pick up on that, that, that I think for, you know, when we're talking about using cannabis intentionally and consciously, there is a lot of value in that like sensory experience or of creating your, you know, creating, um, creating kind of the set and setting of how you're going to consume Rather than, you know, taking, um, you, you had mentioned like a vaporizer pen or, or an edible where someone else has, you know, essentially manufactured the experience you're going to have. So, so was that something you noticed or were people using other methods of consumption as well? I definitely noticed a trend towards smoking. I think, I think there's a, a lot of it is because that's how so many cannabis enthusiasts first come to pot. Um, you know, we smoke it out of a pipe or we roll a joint or, you know, a spliff or whatever. And that historic um, connection with something tends to kind of set the foundation for what we want the experience to be. So I think another part of it is that not everyone I spoke to is living in a state where cannabis is currently legal. And for the most part, it is much easier to come across bud than it is to come across edibles or, you know, wax or shatter or any of the other variations of cannabis. So for people who are like, you know, still going through the traditional uh, backdoor channels to get it, they're probably going to be smoking it. So that's a big part of it. Um, as far as the ritual, I think Part of that is setting yourself up for artistic success by establishing, you know, I'm going into this zone now. The same way before you would 
act in a theatrical production, you're going to put on your makeup, you're going to put on your costume, you're going to do a pre-show warm-up. And there are all these ritualistic things that play into it. And now you're ready to walk out on stage with the lights on. When people create, they need to sort of shed their daily existence and gradually step into that process in a way where they can have a fresh start rather than, you know, bring the fight that they had with their friend into their creative process or remember the long line at the grocery store when they're trying to sit down and take a photo. You know what I mean? So that, um, that ritualistic aspect of it is, is the preparation, I think. So it, it really helps clarify, you know, we're in art making mode now. And I think we need that kind of a switch so that we can get rid of our daily BS and still feel, you know, creative and functional. Yes, I agree with that. And I think that is kind of why these laboratory models are are so limited in that sense, because there is so much of almost like the entry point to creativity. And whether that's for me, like I'm also, I'm very sacred about if I write in a cafe, if that's a place where I'm, you know, I'm creative. I, I can't go there for a social interaction or I can't go there for doing regular work. So, so I'm very sacred kind of about, you know, choosing the, the set and settings and creating a ritual so, so that I can enter that point. And, and I think if it's like, oh, you're going to a laboratory, smoke, now be create, take this creativity test. Uh, I think that, um, you know, if you're creative at all, that's, that's outstanding. But, but I think it really diminishes um, you, we can't really separate, you know, we can't always really separate these variables. Like, is it the yeah. canvas or is it the ritual of, of entry of almost, yeah, becoming this, you know, communicating with the muse and what it, what does it take to, to switch from that everyday professional or, um, you know, parent or, you know, what other, other hats people wear? How do we kind of switch into that role as creator? I think I think you bring up a good point too as far as the laboratory stuff and you know I try to I try to point out in the book that I don't have a better solution for how to study creativity than social scientists are currently using I don't have a way around it but I do want to point out that these studies are flawed significantly because if you are measuring my creativity as an artist by giving me a word and asking me to guess associated words, that's not the kind of creativity that I use as a visual artist. That's not the kind of creativity I would use as a guitar player or, you know, a trombonist. So it's very regimented and not necessarily applicable to what's actually happening in a creative's mind. It's also incredibly hard to be creative on demand. And part of what cannabis does is it loosens those boundaries up so that you can feel creative without feeling too much pressure. And if you aren't creative at all, then maybe you are at least thinking about the art you want to create or experiencing the high that you're having in a way that's going to benefit you somehow later on. It's not like I smoke and now I must create this object. And so the laboratory setting is just, I've never been able to create on demand. If you hand me a camera and say, make a pretty picture of this, I could probably do a passable job because I know what I'm doing, but it's not going to be the same as if I came to it and said, I want to take a picture of this. Mm -hmm. And and you brought up, you bring up an interesting point that I wanted to talk about um, because 
I really don't believe sometimes people have that they have that thought about themselves they're like oh well I'm not a creative person or I'm not creative at all and I really believe that that you you know I think that that belief comes from just how wired we are by the capitalist society where we divide it into you know artists who can make money from their art and people other people but but mm-hmm. what would you say to someone who has that story about themselves and yeah maybe wants to to change it or use cannabis um as an entry point to, to just explore this other side of themselves that might've been ripped away by, you know, a mean art teacher or a parent who wasn't encouraging. Um, how can an adult re-enter and refine um, their, their little creative spark? You know, I really sympathize with that because we are all born creative. There is a creative streak in there. There is a sense of imagination. There is the ability to entertain ourselves by pretending that something is something completely different. And gradually as we age, that is stripped away because we are expected to fit into these boxes to suit school and to suit jobs and to suit the economy. And every single time you're expected to change your shape to fit in somebody else's expectation, you lose a little bit of that creativity. And some of us have so much creativity coming out of our ears and parents who nurture it that it won't be beaten out of us, no matter what the world tries to throw at us. But others, you know, there's just so much self-doubt and judgment and also expectation that, well, I can't make a living from art, so what's the point of doing it? The one thing that I have been seeing lately that I really appreciate is kind of this, this increase in pointless creativity as, you know, a side thing as a relaxation, like all of these adult coloring books that are coming out over the past 10 years. That's something we never saw before. And coloring was for kids. And if you were coloring, you were wasting your time. You should be doing something more productive. But now we understand that creativity is connected with inner happiness and relaxation. And so there is a value for it. Even if you're you know, not going to make money, you're going to benefit your life in some way. So for people who are interested in exploring that a little bit more, I would say, you know, go buy a set of paints, get some watercolors, get some markers, start doodling, doodle when you're on the phone, doodle when you're sitting in front of the television, you know, just let your mind wander without analyzing it or trying to have a set plan for it and experiment and experience all of the little successes and failures that go along with it. Um, One of the things that I do when I start a new creative hobby, like I learned to crochet and I also learned how to knit and I learned that crocheting is much easier for me than knitting. So I, I clung to crocheting, but I would create these little samples where I would say, this is a stitch I want to learn. And I wasn't making a scarf from the first day because I wasn't capable of making a scarf from the first day, but I would make a little sample and say, okay, let's get this stitch perfected. And then when I want to make a scarf with it, I can. And so you are basically creating this artistic language for this new skill and you're gradually developing. And then once you have all the skills associated with it, then you can make a piece of art that you're happy with. No one is going to pick up a paintbrush and paint a masterpiece the very first time they use it. It's that's just, I mean, maybe somebody is, but that's rare. So it's important to give yourself permission to experiment, to fail, to make stuff that sucks 
And then gradually you're going to find things that you really like. You're going to say, I love how those two colors blended together. That's beautiful. How can I do that again in a bigger scale? Or how can I incorporate a third color into it? And every time you have these little successes, not only are you going to feel good about yourself, but you're going to feel the ramifications of it in other parts of your life as well. Adding creativity is going to only add positive qualities to every other aspect of your day-to-day existence. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I think through creativity, we're we're kind of forced to learn that process of self-kindness and um, or, or at least, you know, si- silencing the inner critic a little bit. And then that is so relevant to so many other areas of our lives. So if we can enjoy the process um, of just creating, and especially just as a hobby, just for play, then, you know, when we do find ourselves in a challenging work situation, and we're able to really develop that, you know, develop that sense of, of inner kindness, when we create a painting, we're like, ah, this doesn't look great. <laughs> then when we encounter a challenging experience in, in work or, or in the real world, then it's, I don't want to say the real world because creativity is the real world, but, but in kind of these more mundane settings, that then we're just more, we're just more prepared. We're more prepared to manage it. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk about what, what another thing that was really inspiring me, in, inspiring to me about this book was how a lot of the artists and musicians, they talk about um, tuning inwards and really noticing when they need a break from cannabis or when they need to stop using it for some time. And one of the quotes um, I noted was, if you're not in a creative spirit, and then one day you smoke weed, and you get into a creative spirit, you might smoke weed every single day thinking you're sustaining it. But the funny thing is, the minute you stop smoking it, your mind clears up, and not being high is the new way to think differently. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you observed through these interviews about um, when people were able to notice, like, mm, maybe, maybe I'm using too much cannabis and I, I need a break from it in order to actually get back to that creative place. Absolutely. I mean, so one of the things about pot is that we do build up a tolerance. Our body over time, you know, will get used to a specific strain or a certain combination of cannabinoids and, you know, maybe it's not going to have as strong of an effect. So there's not this like, if then causality, I expect that if I smoke every single time, I'm going to have this creative state. It just doesn't work that way. We are, you know, we are, we are living beings and the way that our bodies are composed and the way that things interact with each other change constantly. So you can't expect that we're going to have this almost like machine response. It just doesn't work that way. Part of finding a positive relationship with cannabis is understanding that it is going to shift from day to day and that there are some days where, you know, smoking or being high or having an edible or even like having CBD where there's no psychoactive effect, but you're getting that relaxation that doesn't necessarily apply to every single creative pursuit. It it doesn't have a, there's a time and a place for it. And there are times where it won't feel as appropriate as others. So I think it is important to take time off every so often, not only to let your body response reset so that you can 
not have that like buildup of um, tolerance for cannabis, but also so that you can force some mental clarity into the situation and just reanalyze what you're doing. I think it's dangerous to go through life in a constant state of anything. Like you shouldn't go from the morning the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and be caffeinated. That's too much. And you shouldn't do the same thing with alcohol and you shouldn't do the same thing with cannabis because our bodies need some variation. They need the ability to reset. They need more than just one constant state of, um, of stimulation. So there were multiple people. Um, the quote that you're referring to was a friend of mine, Garrett Shore, who has found times where cannabis is really inspiring to him and has also found times where cannabis just shuts him down creatively. And for him, the state change is what causes the creativity. It is, you know, I was high all the time and now I'm sober. So my brain feels more awake and I feel more engaged and that makes me feel creative. Um, there, there were a couple of people who said that they need to take breaks periodically so that they can kind of recenter and reanalyze. And that's something that I do myself. You know, I'm not smoking every single day of my life. There are days that I just don't feel like it. And it's not a condemnation on cannabis or what it feels like to be high. I just don't feel that impulse that day. And I'm definitely, I'm still creative in those moments. So, you know, there's a value to being high and creating, and there's a value to not being high and creating. And I think the, the variation is what's important. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if um, something that I, I like to think about a lot, especially um, when we're talking about using cannabis or, or using psychedelics is, is integration. Um, so do, do you kind of find that, um, or, or through these interviews with any of these artists, what is that process? So obviously you, a lot of their processes were kind of, I'll smoke and then I'll create. But did anyone kind of talk about maybe, you know, the the post period of that, kind of the integration of, ooh, what came up for me? Or kind of once they're no longer high, maybe there is, you know, almost like a second layer of creativity or a second layer of insight that can come in kind of that integration period of, of they had this experience with cannabis, they had their this experience with creativity and what they're able to, to learn from that. Absolutely. I think it's like, you know, there's that, there's that old adage of, of write when you're drinking and then edit when you're sober. And one of the interviews, um, there's a theater director in there, and he speaks to the fact that it's not exactly that cut and dry. It's actually pretty cyclical because, you know, he's sober when he's in the rehearsal room and then he smokes after rehearsal and he thinks about the products of the day and what they were able to create as a group. And then he gets new ideas and then he goes to sleep and then he thinks about the ideas that he had when he was high. And then he brings them into the rehearsal room from that now sober state reflecting on his cannabis fueled state. And so it's, it ebbs and it flows. And it's this beautiful cycle where you need both sides of your brain in order to make the most of the experience. Like you need the sober side to clarify the cannabis field side, and you need the cannabis field side to expand upon the limitations of the sober side. And I wonder what you, 
because I've had this experience so many times where I think I come up with a really good idea when I'm high. <laughs> and I know that's I know that's not unique to me. And then you're sober, you're like, was that a good idea or not? So what do you kind of think about that? How, how did that come up in these interviews? Or, or what do you think of that editing process? Um, and, and I don't mean editing in a writing sense, but just editing where, you know, you're so inspired and f- you can be so inspired and fueled and coming up with all this great inspiration. And then you're no longer high and you're sorting through these different ideas and of course, like it's good to come through things with like a sober mind and, and evaluate, but but also kind of then you might be back into that inner critic, um, you know, fear and anxiety based stage when you're sorting through these ideas. So, so what do you say? Yeah, what what what, what would kind of be your response like to, um, yeah, that that sober editing phase? How can we still kind of infuse those moments with, um. Yeah, infuse those yeah. moments with with like our own with with quality judgment, like like that. Sure. I guess I'm asking about almost this liminal space in between being high and not being high, and how we can best evaluate our our creative output and ideas. I think that copious note taking is very helpful, um, and if you. I I always have kept um, a notebook by my bed or like had my phone nearby or something because sometimes you wake up from from being dead asleep and you have this idea, right? And it didn't come from conscious thought. It came from subconscious thought because you were dreaming when it happened and when it occurred to you. And maybe you write it down and it seems so brilliant because you're still in that dream logic where it makes sense to you. And then you wake up And you look back on it and you're like, what the hell does that even mean? That doesn't apply to the real world. That's not even a language I can speak in my current mental state. That is so similar to, you know, the experience of being high and thinking you're having these epiphanies and it feels so good because you're like, this is it. I'm brilliant. I just came up with this brand new concept that nobody's looked at it this way before and you write it down or you explore it further and then you re-examine it later and you're like, oh, wow, okay, I am a stoner and I need to take a break from this. <laughs> um, and it's, it's true. It happens to all of us. And I think that's why, you know, it's a good idea to do everything in, in, mod- in, in uh, moderation and, and take breaks and, and just evaluate. I don't know that necessarily it's reintroducing that inner critic because you have to have a sense of humor about it. You know what I mean? Like when you're high, you're high and it's okay that you're high and that you're making these cognitive leaps. And some of them are going to work out really, really well. And some of them you're going to look at it the next day and be like, wow, I'm glad I didn't run with that. But that's all part of creating and learning and experimenting and experiencing things. You have to be able to come up with stupid ideas or have little failures and they all over time build up to something bigger and better. Yes. I think that's a great, I think that's a great answer because that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part sometimes is being like, okay, like there's that little voice of doubt, but you're like, I think this is a pretty good idea, But, but we all have that intuitive sense. And, uh, you know, when something, feels really right and when we should run mm-hmm. with it and when it feels like all right maybe that could just stay in my notes app and like never see the light <laughs> of day again so I wanted to ask you if you noticed any trends in um, different strains that people were smoking I thought I heard a few heard I thought I read a few people 
uh, mentioning the strain white widow or, or did you notice any any kind of trends of yeah. people people using like the same kinds of cannabis yeah so there were a lot of people that mentioned blue dream that was definitely a fan favorite and i was excited when that came up because that's always been one of my favorites um white widow came up um you know kush strains um kind of fruitier things came up a lot the thing that was so interesting to me was how many it was like a split between people who were talking about like sativa strains versus indica strains and i mean i know you must have tackled this on your podcast at some point the fact that like those words don't necessarily mean what they are marketed to mean. Um, and so we're always taught, you know, indica in the couch, you're going to fall asleep. That's what it is. Um, and sativa is energetic and positive and giggly, and it, it doesn't work that way. So what was interesting to me was that I really did see the application of body chemistry coming into it because I am somebody where I smoke something like Gorilla Glue and I'm out. I'm done. There's no way I'm going to be creative. I'm going to fall asleep. I'm going to probably like maybe get a little bit anxious because it's more of a body relaxer and I tend to have an anxious response to that. But then there were people I spoke to where they were like, oh yeah, Gorilla Glue is one of the most creative strains I've ever used. So, you know, there's no... There's no one size fits all for it. And I think that's so remarkable and also so important that we recognize it and stop living in this myth that like this strain is going to do this and that strain is going to do that because you're just setting yourself up for potentially a bad high or thinking that you're doing something wrong. You know what I mean? So when companies come out with these vape pens and they're like, this is the relaxation pen, you can't sell that. You can't promise someone that they're going to have a certain response. We all vary. I can smoke the same thing that my husband smokes and I'm energetic and excited and he's just hungry and sitting on the couch. And it is all about our body chemistry. It's got nothing to do with the pot. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. We have a few episodes to, to address that. Number five is really talking about um, the indica and sativa, you know, and how it's used in marketing, but doesn't necessarily the science and the uh, the strains doesn't necessarily back that up. And I think another another important point here too is that there there's a lot of mislabeling within the mm-hmm. cannabis industry in the U.S. So what could be considered a blue dream um, that you would buy at a dispensary in Colorado, it could be completely different in at a different dispensary in. Um, California, if you were to actually look at the genetic lineage and look at the, you know, really research like the, the chemotype of that plant. So, so I think that that's worth noting too. Um, and, and that might not necessarily always be it. I, I think you're right. It really is also about our unique body chemistry. Um, but, but I do think it's, it's, it's worth noting that we can't just take the name of the strain and, and run with it um, yeah. for, for a number of reasons. And um, yeah, that's, that's just one of them. So I want to, sorry, I just want to finish. That's one of the things that I try to point out in the end of the book. So, you know, we talk about all of the science and all of the history and all of the interviews. And then the very last chapter is like this call to action of, okay, you want to try this for yourself. Here's how you get started. And what I really want people to take away from it is take notes, evaluate how you're feeling and go slow with it because, you know, 
the, the stuff that you're told you're smoking isn't going to have some certain prescribed effect. So it's important to take it slow and self-analyze and say, oh, this does feel like a creative strain, or this feels kind of more like an anxious strain so that you're not expecting something different and then wondering what's wrong. Yes, I thought that was such a great part of the book as well, because this is such an individual process and it's really an invitation to know ourselves like more deeply and to value. And, and I think when we, when we like reflect on and whether we're reflecting on how the cannabis made us feel or, you know, how a certain life experience made us feel, that's, that's how we, we get to know ourselves more deeply and we can really start to trust our intuition and say, oh, well, this strain, you know, even though, even though the dispensary is marketing this vape pen with this strain as the creative one, it's not working for me. And I think the more that we learn to trust our intuition, the more creative we become because it just Mm -hmm. is able to spill right through us. So, so it's all really, I mean, it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful process how, how, um, these things are so, so interwined and it, it really is just such an invitation to, to go deeper. So I wonder how did writing this book and having all these conversations and interviews change your creative process if it did at all, or, or did it make you more aware of certain things or, or did you, did you change? How, how did this experience of writing this book transform you? Um, it, It was really interesting because, you know, art isn't created in a vacuum. We are a product of many different influences. And being a photographer for so long, um, you know, I really had this tendency to pay more attention to the work that other photographers were doing rather than, you know, musicians or painters or chefs. And so having these conversations about art and about creativity and about cannabis really reinvigorated me because it made me more interested in other types of art making as well. And I started to infuse all of these little lessons that I gained from other people in my own art making. The the pointless creativity comment from Fed was huge for me because there are so many times where I take my camera out and you know, I used to shoot a lot more. I used to take a lot more pictures and then I would throw away more pictures that didn't achieve what I wanted, but the act of taking them was part of it. As I became more and more experienced and and more of a quote-unquote professional, I sort of lost that sense of whimsy of like, you can take this photo even if you're not going to do anything with it because you feel like taking this photo, so what's the harm in doing it? Um, and having these conversations about the pointless creativity and creating for the for the act of creating reinvigorated that in me so that now I'm a lot more experimental with my camera again rather than you know thinking through the process of this aperture and that shutter speed and how they interrelate now it's almost become a different kind of creative tool one that's more based in experimentation rather than expectation of what is going to happen when I use these specific variables. Um, I really recommend talking to other artists if you're an artist. Nothing is going to wake you up quicker to new directions of thought and and inspiration more than than having these kinds of conversations. It's really fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. The interviews with the chefs were 
were really fascinating to me as well. And just kind of thinking about, yeah, different different food combinations and different colors and, and ingredients. I mean, it really, I don't consider myself a chef by any means, but it really reinvigorated me in thinking about, oh, how am I cooking or, or what's happening when I'm just combining all these ingredients in the fridge and really mm-hmm. seeing that, you know, seeing that as an art form, even if we're just cooking for for ourselves was... Yeah, it was so inspiring. So I'm so glad you included those those interviews. So is there anything is there anything else that you would want our listeners to to know about uh, to know about this book or to know about your work? Um, no, I just think you know I think that life is a, a long, wonderful learning process, and not everything is going to feel like you're learning a lesson from it, but then over time you realize that you have. And I think experimentation with cannabis is a beautiful way to learn some lessons and playing around with art is too. So, you know, even if you're somebody that works in an office day in, day out, and you just don't feel that you have time in your life for art making, try and make time for it because even doodling on a piece of paper is going to open up those parts of your mind and teach you to look at the world in slightly different ways. And I think cannabis is a really great way to access that part of yourself where you stop living in these rigid boundaries and you start thinking in terms of possibility and experimentation and enthusiasm. Yes, yes. And I think this book too, it was also just so inspiring. So so I really recommend, I really recommend everyone, everyone go read it because if you're feeling like you're in a creative rut or you're not a creative person, I think just hearing, hearing from all of these different people and their approaches was, was so invigorating for me too. So I, I really enjoyed reading it. And just to wrap up, where can listeners find the book if they want to purchase it? So cannabisforcreatives.com is the book's webpage and there are links there. So you can purchase at Barnes and Noble. You can purchase at Rocky Nook, which is the publisher's website. Um, Amazon is on there and then a bunch of independent bookstores as well. If you prefer to go the independent route. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for um, yeah sharing all of the knowledge and wisdom that you got from, from writing this book. And I'm so excited to share this with listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It will help other people find us. Cannabis Science Today is so generously supported by the Agricultural Genomics Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to educating the public on scientific research findings on cannabis. If you're interested in donating to this cause or sponsoring an episode of this podcast where we research a scientific research question or theme of your choice, please contact us through agriculturalgenomics.org.